So today we want to go through at least um, 23 to, I don't know, at least 30. I don't want us to rush things, even though like to 32 would be fine. But uh, considering that it's more than 10 episodes or so, I don't know if it's right. if it's if it's necessarily if we're in a rush or something, like I said. But what do you think? You think it's right? No, I think it's good that we take our time. There's no need for a rush. But at the same time, you know, um, sometimes we might run out of things to probably discuss, which is likely. But uh-huh. I, I don't. We can see how it goes. Um, back our way through the time period that we have. Then, mm. if time allows, maybe then we can definitely go to up to thirty-two. That would still mm. be fine because it would be fair enough. It's ten episodes plus. I think the arc. I think this ten ten episodes kind of really good because it covers different arcs mm. to complete sometimes, or at least it comes to a point of transitory of transition so i think that is good if we can make it up to 32 fine up to 30 it still works because i, I think right about that the story pretty much carries on the same from the episode 23 that we're going to be looking at today so yeah yeah so uh, i think we can just definitely talk about our highlights uh, mm-hmm. the one speaks uh, interest in the in the whole thing. Would you like to start, or would you be okay with me going? Um, maybe I could begin. Uh, I think there was something that really caught my eye. I didn't want to forget it. I didn't want to end up finishing or concluding the episode. It. I think from episode twenty-three, there is something that really stands out very clearly. I mean, very well. It's the the moral conflict between Ed and Scar, Edward, that is, and Scar, when they're having that fight with each other. And uh, there is this whole scene where Scar tries to confront Ed for the killing. Or sorry, it is the other way around. Ed tries to confront and kill Shotaka and the daughter after Nina became a chimera, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, th- where now Ed tries, Ed and Alex decide that it's very wrong to take a life, uh-huh. which is fine, morally speaking, or it's not the right way to go about it. But at the same time, Scar comes with a counter argument, which is very compelling, and, and he, he, he asks to, to have left them alive. At the end of the day, the girl would have ended up being a lab rat. In quotes and quotes, Lara, right? And there's not that sense of conflicting emotions within Ed and Alphonse, where they're trying to really come into terms with the fact that they already knew that the life that needs was becoming experiment at best in them to kill. So here comes the whole thing of what is. Um, like, I think I may have forgotten the name, but advanced morality, where you have to choose a lesser evil to commit, even though you're doing two completely wrong things, but you have to look at what. But, and then there's something that Scar says, I think, in the whole conversation is God's domain only. And I don't really know if I want to agree with that, but then again, I don't think agree or disagree in terms of the conflict that they're having or the conversation I think it was very interesting to have brought up that that statement up um, other than that I think the other place we the other scene which captures people's attention is Glatony's power like that thing was freakishly scary the fact that he could just manifest that I mean a portal of a gate of true the gate of truth and transport items to avoid a kind of void or a different dimension that was scary i was like whoa i thought wrath was badass but damn i mean this guy could just end you 
permanently without even having to you know, hurt you even it's really scary but at the same time it was really phenomenal and i think it been rushing I'm just looking at it the fact that you have said understanding that corruption in terms of the homunculus or the plan that the hom- have deep up to the very top with the fura from here i think everything just keeps building up the momentum the suspension everything just keeps building up in such in such moment i don't know how to say this but it's very exciting i think they are after and then there are a few statements here and there which i usually mm-hmm. quick to dismiss but but um this said before he died before she died and it was always amusing to watch violent miserable fools that is in regards to human beings and um finding the truth hidden behind the truth i think that was by dr marco to ed and very interesting seeing how eric usually has elric usually the, i mean he has this quick wit and deductive skills that that he just dispenses at his employee any time to fit the situation he's in and i think that's why he he again qualifies as you know the youngest uh alchemist state alchemist in, in in the history of alchemy at least in amestries mm-hmm. but yeah i don't think there's much else other than also the fact that at some point there's something very interesting that was mentioned by hokai or hokai's dad mm-hmm. that was uh, alchemy alchemy okay. i don't know if in the entire show or during the I think it was on around episode 24 25 I'm not really sure where it was but he goes on to mention that the most powerful is um flame alchemy and it's interesting to see so I mean then I think from there we have a picture or a scene where we see Riza having her back exposed and a portion of the tattoo containing the mm. being burnt out or being having scar big scar it's very interesting and very good that the, the fact that they really went into the box relationship between the uh, colonel's uh, colonel mastang and riza's dad but uh, towards the entire mission or the entire ishwalan war and the things they had had to do they had to do there mm. and it's very i don't know um i don't know i think it was very very interesting that they put that there it was very good that they did um and i think somewhere along this episodes we kind of understand why extermination was 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 needed or why it was warranted and the reason was to provide sacrificial lambs for philosopher stone so i think there's just a lot of moral conflict that arises especially in this arc from Scar's fight uh, with Edward to Dr. Marco later on in the episode. So I think that was very interesting. But the biggest, the biggest, biggest thing or the, big, or the highlight for me would have been Glatoni's manifestation of the freakish power of swallowing using the gate of truth. Um, I think that was OP as hell. So, yeah, I think that's just about it for me. Uh, about you uh, what you find to be interesting i think uh, for me my favorite point still at, uh, no i think it does i think my favorite point in this might be my most favorite point in the series like to the end okay and um it would be immediately after um, immediately after edward uses uh, alchemy to take himself to the gate of truth and meets uh, alphonse for the very first time gets to see uh, skinny alphonse and tries to plead with the bro to get back with him and alphonse is like i'm sorry you're not my soul so i can't leave 
with you and then the bro is like being kicking and let it all out he's he's about to start singing and then edward breaks in with the very um pointing at his brains like wait for me i'm coming back for you and that moment was really like an emotional gut punch i don't know if the series has ever managed to like get me to that point of emotion like i'm not saying like the, the series is terrible from that point on but like that point where everything seemed to be set just so that you can get the feeling of save him and stuff it's it it was really an emotional thing and it remains my favorite point in the series because it is perhaps the only one of the few times where the word brotherhood in full metal alchemist brotherhood actually seems to be like huh you know because a lot of people um depending on who you'd ask they would really tell you that the all three version was a better indicator of the relationship between the elrics compared to brotherhood but i'm not saying i'm not actually saying that's true because you know this was more faithful to the manga but like this was one of those moments where even if you liked the o3 for showing the relationship between the two brothers this was the one point where you were like this guy is new they kind of like this series it's not like they just wanted to create a remake for the sake of creating a remake these guys loved full metal alchemist brother well full metal alchemist enough to get them so you know that was interesting and you talk about the concept of um of um the political chess that uh, the series has started unwinding and i find it absolutely interesting how hiromu just boldly decides to open up the political uh, sphere in a way that i don't know if i've seen any other shonen story so far i've not read many but exploring this whole sense of a purpose that goes beyond the main character to the point where the elrics at this point are less of the main characters and more like actual players you know you, you can right. you, so like in the sense they sort of hiromu actually takes the normally what you've seen a shonen is like the politics is there but the main character is usually the most important aspect unless otherwise stated their journey is what is most interesting and everything else even if it's very interesting takes a back seat this one sort of does the reverse and so elric edward and uh, alphonse sort of feel like small uh, fish in a very large pond which yes shonen actually do but this time you actually feel it because from like meitam to ska to ling to um basically the whole politics of zing the politics of amestries there is so much law about the politics that every time you keep seeing it you get this feeling like you are not getting the full picture every single time it's like what and new information is like it never feels like you have all the information and that is interesting because it's very rare for a story to get you there to get you to a point where you keep feeling like every single time you're being given new information it's very rare because obviously what um an audience will do is like they will take information and they'll be like uh i can see where this is going top they already know where the story is leading but in this one what you find is mostly like um the moment we've gotten to a new state even though what's coming is something you sort of know it's coming new things are introduced so it always feels like you are you are being kept at the edge of your seat like uh an interesting thing is like currently we've seen the breaking up breaking up of mustang's team right 
And so Hawkeye right. goes to one place, this guy goes to another place, that guy goes to another place. And essentially, it's like politics. It's not, it, these guys can't do anything about it. They are tied. And so it's, it's, it's a risky move to separate characters like that because they, if, in order to maintain their elements of seriousness, you have to diversify the stories. If you don't diversify, these guys get lame and or at the very least they get ignored because audiences will be like ah this guy's story is not as important as the main character so i think it's a very interesting risk that hiromo takes with the politics to seriously just diversify even if even at the cost of making her story wider especially since this is not a story that goes on for several chapters this is something that starts and ends in literally 60 episodes. It, I don't know. What do you think about that specific thing? The... I think... Sorry. Uh-huh. Right. Now, you have some very critical, important points, and it's true. I think from where we are right now, moving forward, mm-hmm. it just keeps getting more and more interesting, very invigorating. And I think the reason they said it's quite a big deal. But also you have to look at the fact that it's heavily around the political theme. So they have tried to make it very intense. Very intense. Every scene is something that you cannot afford to miss because something is always leading up to the next thing. It's quite mm-hmm. important that you've mentioned that all these people are separated. It's very deliberate in the sense that you remember there was this um, southern, there was, there was a southern, okay, probably I'm going to be having, uh, this is going to be a spoiler, but mm-hmm. we, all these people, for instance, I think Breda went to west, to the west, mm-hmm. was considered mm-hmm. the rook or Colonel Mustang considered him as, a, as, his, as his rook. Fury went to the south, um, who was considered as a pawn. Foreman went mm-hmm. to the north, who was considered the bishop, and Riza to Bradley's office mm-hmm. as a queen piece, right? And Havok as his knight. But mm-hmm. it is very interesting to note that the very fact that Foreman went to the north for a precedence for which they put the whole northern arc. Because yeah, then Foreman. Because to be honest, Foreman also doesn't really appear so much even in the Northern Arc, but you will realize that for the arc to begin, it starts with Foreman, a Foreman. He plays a small scene, pivotal one, that the show cannot continue on, at least in what goes on in the... Mm. Same thing with the... Is this, um, the Southern Command had, had, had been fighting with the nation that was in the South. I don't remember if it was Greek something C, something. God, I do not like doing that. It just escaped my mind. Not that I forgot exactly. But the nation to the south, right? And yeah. uh, the same thing as uh, what happened in the east, where General Grumman's forces were, and there was a training between the north and the east, and then how it leads up into Fura being called to the eastern command. And anyway, mm. I think I may be going ahead of myself in terms of the episodes, but forgive me for that. No, it's okay. But very, it's very, it's very relevant that they did that. She did, she did decide, or the writer, or the cast, or the I mean the, the entire. The uh, team. Yes, the entire team having separated all of them to go to these different places was very crucial because the entire the theme primarily is political. And I think FMA has, well, it does play with a lot of other, other, other emotions, other setups, for instance, where Winry comes in place, then there's a whole of the love dynamic that comes in between, or the romantic uh, dynamic that comes in between Edward and Winry. And funny enough, these small, small tidbits definitely, do lead up to the to something in the future or in the future episode and i think that's why she was able to play to comfortably play around with this 
you know with the entire writing because like you said i don't think also personally as far as i've seen shonen at least which are politically themed i haven't seen one very versatile or the application of versatility as much for metal alchemist mm. i can't talk much for the version to be honest because i'd be lying if i said it from there however Mm-hmm. There's something also you mentioned right now. Why am I forgetting it? Ah, uh, well, there's this part where Winry starts gets before he gets she gets into a train. There's there's the part where she breaks down when she's presented with the opportunity to take revenge for her parents, oh, yeah. but luckily, yeah. but luckily something or oh, that whatever happens happens in that moment, and she doesn't, and she makes. Edward for swear that she is going he's going to tell him everything that he knows about the parents and mm. it's very interesting also looking at the fact that at the same time the homunculi or the the homunculi are getting exposed and in this case the few are being exposed with the help of Lanfan and uh, Lingyao and for some reason i do not know why but i just normally feel like this is like the intermission i mean the ep- the the thing mm uh 20 or so or 30 or so episode seems like a preliminary a back story like preparing you for what is really going to go down in the present because i think in episode 25 20 or 26 or 27 there's a part where hohenheim just goes through a whole stream of back flashes from the past and last comes in again the brawl between uh, yeah. uh, eldrick and number 48 mm. and the fact that eldrick goes out of his way to still look at this person that is or that that entity or this life that is attached to an armor and still consider them human but yeah oh my god and speaking of i forget the showdown between envy and uh, and ling and ling yao it was very interesting as well i i think it's just so action packed but mainly the reason why i think they can get away with you know playing around with the cast and the, the 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 show itself or the writing or the plot itself it's because it's politically centered and i think once you know your theme where it lies and and you set or you set um a cornerstone for which the entire plot can unfold in this case which is the practice of alchemy i think um then it's very easy to to go from there you know it's mm. very one set one focus but at the same time it has so many tributaries as you are traversing mm. through the episode and, and the and the story itself and it's very engaging all the same so uh, i think also get away with it she has good pl- she has good writing skills the team i mean i don't want to just say it's her i know she's working with many people mm-hmm. but it boils down to the creativity in terms of dialogue and mm-hmm. focus point and focusing on one point but at the same time trying to make it as versatile as possible which is what mm-hmm. she has captured at least in my opinion or in my own bias mm-hmm. yeah uh, I, i think uh or the episode you were talking about the whole nine one it's 27 right uh, right so like i think one of the looking at even um the characters themselves it's it's amazing that uh the writers have sort of um looking at each of the characters how purposeful they are also seems to be an interesting thing which is what also 2030 is all about the concept of responsibility the concept of identity and who is responsible for what from like characters as simple as may who have the small purpose of redeeming their because like, like her clan is like the weakest in jing to characters like um scar where it is revealed that scar was personally responsible for something yes and and let me let me put it this way the show has this very interesting 
perspective of some circumstances happened to you, but you are also personally responsible for what you're doing moving forward. For Scar, it was his people that were that were hunted down, but everything he's doing now, he's personally responsible for it. If it is um, our mysteries and what they did to the Ishvalians in the first place, it was the homunculi that did it, but they are personally responsible for the atrocities they they committed. And like, um, I think it's Hawkeye has a very interesting line. She says, the, was it the heroes of these, uh, these sad times, these war times, are the same like mass murderers of the peace times. Like you, we are not we are not necessarily exempt just because there were circumstances that were created that we had no helping in. We actually participated in in the war. We actually committed those atrocities. So we can't say that ah, monculus they should be the ones taking responsibility. And that thing sort of builds up even uh, as the show goes on to who keeps who is exactly responsible for what who should take responsibility for the sort of um the sort of things that happened in the show is it nobody gets to be like you know this is the person who's responsible it's not me you also see characters like envy and um oh, envy and father specifically father will come back to no no father would be later on envy is very proud of sort of uh, the atrocities he committed it's like the oh yeah envy and the crimson um uh, the crimson uh, guy both of them represent a lack of remorse to the kind of um the kind of things that excuse me michael you can, you were, you, were you recording the session? No, for a moment, my, my network went off, but it's okay. I think if you're recording on your end, it will still be okay. It will still record since I wasn't speaking. No, it's still recording. It's fine. Oh, good, good. No, no, I'm saying... Oh, okay, okay. So... Carry on, sorry. At what point did you... I can always just... So that you can also pick up. Come back again to it. Right, right. Um, uh, you're putting me on the spotlight. It's kind of hard to quickly come back to it. I'm sorry, but you, maybe like thirty seconds back. I don't know if that me, makes sense. That is too well to say. I'm sorry. All right, thirty let seconds. Let me just do a quick recap. So the whole concept that I was talking about is how these new episodes um sort of talk about the responsibility. The, the like um the, how should we put it, the relationship between atrocities that happen to someone and the responsibility they have over them. Like, no character in the show really, every character in the show is dealing with this sort of thing of some things happen to me, but some things, but the way I chose to deal with them is making me personally responsible. And it's like every single character has to deal with this sort of thing I was giving examples of like from the the Amestris, the Kina Royal Mustang and stuff, and they were the the Hamunculi are technically the ones who sparked the Ishvalan War, but they are technically responsible for the atrocities they committed, and Hawkeye does not allow. Uh, Edward to absolve them of that of that personal responsibility Scar had the Ishvalans destroyed but everything he's doing now is his personal responsibility and so it keeps being like a build up of that even the main characters themselves like with the way Hohenheim walked out of the family and the mom fell sick and shortly she died. The kids are still personally responsible for the for the alchemy they tried to perform 
and the whole gate of truth thing that they ended up in. And so the show keeps having a interesting balance on where a lack of responsibility is and where personal responsibility begins because it's sort of like going with this feeling that even though characters faced sort of um, atrocities or they faced issues that they could not control, it does not merely absolve them of like the responsibilities that they, of, of responsibilities over the actions they choose to have now. And so I was giving the example of somebody like the Envy and the Crimson uh, Alchemist, who are examples of people who have zero qualms about the atrocities they did. They do not care at all about um, the things they committed for the sake of the cause of uh, a father, apparently. And so it's an interesting balance because the show does not want to absolve anyone. And the show is also saying that not everyone who is responsible for something wants to take responsibility over it. It's sort of like a mishmash. Some people are guilty, some could care less, things still happened. And so it's an interesting balance. I don't know. Do you have anything to add on that specifically? Um, Not per se in terms of that line of thought, I do agree. There are also mm-hmm. very subtle aspects. I mean, the, the, they have to put as much detail as possible. And like you're saying, yes, there are moments for every single retrospect, retrospect, you know, think about mm-hmm. things, um, where they stand, morally speaking, the moral ground for it. And yes, I do agree with that 100%. Um, the thing else, I think they do go into detail, subtle aspects which come out strongly, probably for many people might not be something that they may observe, probably probably not, probably they may observe it, probably may appreciate that aspect. But for me, it's the differences between the people from Xing and the people from Amestris. Let's start first of all, there's very subtle differences, but they're quite pronounced if you really look at them. One, the aesthetic at least. Most anime yeah. tends to of people like same facial structures, same, you know, generally yeah. they cut across the line. So this one thing that they've really tried to make a very big distinction in terms of body, in terms of how they appear, in terms of even that their own idea principles that for which how they do things as well for instance small things like how Ling will constantly pass out from lack of food and completely gone 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 but once he's fed and full and okay and in proper health how he he exhibits sometimes a little bit of superhuman feats together with Lanfan, the speed the agility yeah um even the way mei chang behaves the way she on her feet, the way she, even the very fact that they have alk history and the fact that it's done at a long, long range and differently with such deadly precision, especially when Mei Chang is using those kunais. I don't know if they're called kunais. I'm just going to women and just saying it. Five the pentagram with. And the very fact that there's a very big distinction in terms of how. Sorry? They do look like Kunai, I was agreeing. Yes, they do need to go on women to keep that name. Um for la- but yeah. Uh, let me collect my thoughts for a second. Right. We are talking about the yeah. sorry. Differences. Sorry, I will Right, stop. the differences. No, it's okay. It's okay, Michael. No, I'm done. Um, as long as we are not, um, the, the audio is not bad. I don't, I don't really mind. Um, there's that even the very fact that they do harness um different factors or different forces for channeling their alchemical abilities or their alchemical skills. For instance, the Amestrians use the tectonic, the movement, the energy that comes that arises from the techno- tectonic plates of the earth moving mm. and I, it really, as opposed to alka history where they learn to understand and read the flow of the land 
again, this is another thing that you can see is a very big difference. While the people from a Maastricht constantly rely on their sharp wit and quick intellect, people from Xing or people practicing alkehestry have a more intimate understanding of how how life works, lack of a better word, because they are talking about flow in the art. I mean, I'm assuming if something has to be flowing, it has to have a, a certain sense of aliveness. So you can see there's a difference. They harness a sense of intuitiveness that I don't want to necessarily say, okay, how do I say this without making it seem... I just feel like the word intuition is very adulted. It's a very heavily adulted word as we know it today. So, but you get, or I hope our audience do understand what we mean. So there are those subtle differences that speak up a lot, but I think they also, they also kind of reflect a bit of how we live in the real world, how the West versus the East operates. Even in reality, I think how we are presently, you might want to agree or not, I don't know. But um, the West is heavily centered on a lot of philosophical um philosophical god i'm forgetting that proper vocabulary for it but it's more philosophical expounding and understanding life through philosophy and intellectualizing about life how as opposed to the where the east where um where it's more of understanding of more of how do i say the dissolving into what is nature or what is life itself to gain a very intimate understanding of how life works without really having to go about it very intellectually. I'm not saying, I'm not discounting intellectual, intellectualism or saying that intuition is has a better standing than the other one. I don't necessarily think I'm saying that, but it's very interesting to also appreciate the fact that the show clearly in subtle ways definitely has these aspects very much pronounced mm-hmm. I mean I, it's uh, also it's a point of re- relating right like I think a lot of it whether it's in the east whether it's um, China Japan India um, wherever the east is in, in the present world that we're living in or even in the west it's very relatable for all the people consuming it this content so yeah Sorry about that. I cut you short when you had already begun. No, no, no. It's okay. Um, so, as I was saying, and this whole concept of uh, differences in in our personalities and tradition and um, like upbringing and stuff, it also really balances well with even the small bit of information we have on Ishval. If you look at um, Ska, who is probably the only remnant we we have. I mean, we have the other guys, but Sky is the most prominent. And you look at his understanding of um, philosophy, his understanding of uh, moral uh, backing and stuff. It is completely different from both Jing and Amestris. It's not like they have like interlinking thing. There's often this uh, feeling of... Um, if you're dealing with at least one or more Eastern influence, to always sort of uh, put them all into one, like a one-size-fits-all sort of thing, as though like every single Eastern philosopher agreed on the same things. And if you look at something like Ishval, they really feel like they they really do also have the Indian, uh, well, let me not go with Indian, but Eastern influence. I don't know if you've noticed it. In the sense, I have. Like it it is almost like let me go with a better version. I think it almost feels monk level, like the um, sort of like Buddhist understanding of things in how. Um... Sorry. No, I'm saying correct. Correct. Yeah. So I feel like it. There values and stuff very different from the other two you could you could not mistake an ishval member from one from jing and one from mysteries because they hold such things it's like uh hiromu goes almost close enough to a real life 
uh, alternative, but stops just short of it and never seems to fully give the like obviously a mystery is is a very if you already know what it's um trying to emulate it's very obvious which country they're going for but it stops just short so that it never feels like it's a one-to-one representation you cannot say jing equals to this country uh, Ishval uh, equals to this country. If that's probably why I also stopped myself short. Um, right. Each of each of these countries just has enough of an influence that you know what they're talking about. But then from there, it has its own thing. Because as a writer, it's always easy to like go for the simplest um, uh, the simplest analogy. You find like this equals to that, bam, there it goes. But because alchemy exists in this land, everything sort of changes because of alchemy in the sense that each country is affected by alchemy in different ways that makes it completely different from having a complete um, one-to-one representation. I don't know if that makes sense, but... Uh, it does. I- So I do feel like the, there is a very interesting, even though it's just three countries, you can definitely tell people are very different. Mm-hmm. You can tell people are very different. And um, I was going to add something concerning Jing. One of the f- most interesting things I think we, we have about Jing is, have you noticed we never get to hear most of the stories of Jing outside of the character's perspectives. Yes, in fact, I was thinking about it, I was ruminating about it um, earlier when you were talking about something, and I was wondering whether since we are talking about uh, uh, different characters having different or points and bits and scenes which they have to go back to a backstory, they don't do the same for the members from Xing. But then again, I think it's very relevant that they did. They only give information valid and enough, sufficient enough yeah. to be able to get along with the whatever is going on in the politics of, of a mysteries. And I think it's given the fact that we don't even get to see this emperor that sent out um, the children to get this immortality. Number two, there are, I don't remember how many clans there were, but there were many meaning there are many children. So if they have been sent on a quest for immortality or to, for, for them to be able to inherit the throne, there's so much more that goes on. I, I think it just plays into the imagination of the, the audience that, yes, there could be more, but at the, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's very much the characters, the much that has been introduced or expounded about them is just playing into the present. There is no and sense of backstory connecting Shin in terms of the affairs of a mysteries as far as the homunculus, the dwarf, the, the, the flasked homunculus is concerned, or in this case, far right. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. So, and I find that to be a very strong sense of like, um, again, let me just appeal back to the concept of writing. It's one thing to show us a country, to show us how it is and our mystery is has been done a good job you can definitely look at this place and be like this is this this is that you could not mistake the northern place from central never they could not look the same to you no matter how hard you thought about it that's one thing but it's another thing altogether to get so much information about some place you've never seen that if somebody brings it up you can just talk about it as though you've actually been there that is seriously good and strong writing because you've not shown us i don't know if we even ever see the emperor i don't think we ever do but we know what the no. emperor was we've never seen any other members of this clan but the only people who represent the members of the clan we know their whole deal and stuff we know that they have a very uh, deep sense of loyalty even without ever 
it's like small sprinklings of characteristics that are offered. And then the writer just you from everything else to you. You can just uh, like uh, go ahead and and that's interesting. It's amazing because more right, a lot of writers don't usually trust their audience to this to this level. They're always like, should I give them some more information? Maybe if I do, they'll know. But everyone is like, this is it. This is Jing. That's all you need to know. And that's very interesting. I just I just really love a writing uh, that is so confident it doesn't need to tell you more than then no i don't know if um, that sort of the thing no Mother, it's true you want to talk something not, uh, no, no 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 carry on carry on um we've talked mm-hmm. about it uh, i did i did try to not to make not this time around so that we could have um as even as it's fluid, we can uh, just also get back to topics and stuff. Another interesting thing, I think uh, this one points out, you've talked about it lightly, but empathy is, a, is like a thing that we, we see in these 10 episodes as well. Like how much empathy you can have, not just the characters themselves, but like the audience. And you find instances where People who are who have no good reason to be empathized with are given moments of empathy. Characters you didn't expect to be deep, like the Winry moment, was 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 just it was meaningful. You may not have cared about Winry up until that point, but the moment Elder, uh, Edward just uh, holds her hands and says, "Your hands were not meant for killing people," it just it just feels like really good. It feels very earned, even though you don't know much about Winry. Even though you've not met her parents outside of flashbacks, you can definitely tell that what Scar did. I don't know. It's it's pretty sad, and uh, you find the same uh, empathy. I think one of the smallest examples I can offer is how the relationship between Alphonse and Glatton. You remember afterwards when the bros have been eaten, Alphonse still treats uh, Glatton like like someone he can talk to and is like, go and show me father. And Glatton is like that. And it's not like they're laughing and having like a tea session or something. But in that small moment, you find a small empathy for Glatton and remember, this was the same gluttony two episodes or one episode earlier. Practically swallowed um, like things and stuff, and is the scariest thing you've ever seen. And then suddenly, it's sh- shifted back, and we find that we slowly gain empathy for for the homunculus again. I don't know if I'm the only one who saw this, but wh- what do you think about? What do you think, really? It doesn't have to be necessarily about empathy. That's just something I, I found. Well, you're right. Um, there are these things. I think it's difficult to really go along with the show invested and fail to actually appreciate such such nitty gritties, you know, about the show. For instance, again, aside from empathy, there's also another sense of how impactful. Or since you you mentioned Windry, and something came to my mind. And then I'm now thinking and remembering the scene where she gets a phone call from the folks over at Rush Valley from where she yeah. was working, when she was interning. And in just a few seconds, in just a few minutes, a few moments, Winry's character becomes so impactful and that even if you really for not you really cannot avoid, you cannot overlook it given the fact that it happened in the near the the city or the town where the the, the church of Lito was I, I'm assuming I'm not contradicting myself or I hope I'm not contradicting myself but yes there are very small small moments teeny bitches teeny, teeny bits you know of scenes here and there for, for there's this um scene that appears once 
and I never understood the relevance of it in terms of the plot itself. But at the same time, I saw why it. I mean, I, I did appreciate the the realness of it, the the surrealness of it, how how complementary it is to how we live our own lives. You know, when the son and the daughter, when the son and the wife comes knocking and they want to have a meal together, they are having to share a meal together, and you can see this this man who is having such a tough exterior with all this sarcasm and mockery going on in his conversations all the time and he just seems like a bitter old pessimistic man that's just going to die miserable mm. and you can see in that moment when he's sharing a tender moment with the family and he's he thinks to himself he starts thinking to himself and he starts wishfully thinking or praying or saying god even somebody like me should tell me somebody no matter how i mean he goes on to appreciate is the fact that he has done very much very cruel things such cruel things and he goes on to say or wish for a tender for that moment when he's sharing that tender moment with the family and says even someone like i who has done all these things please you things don't i deserve a moment of enjoyment can't i just have time can't i just enjoy some of the finer things or the simple things in life that everybody is enjoying which is his family and i think he breaks down or he cries during that 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 time that he's having this thought and yes there are very many small small bits here it doesn't necessarily have to be the also the sad part i think also that's where the comic of it all gets in for instance where the the conversation like for instance between Raven General Raven and Groom Arsenal Grumman and Kanomastan when they are walking small conversation in between the office from Raven I mean General Raven's office to the meeting where in the in between the conversation Colonel Mastang brings up the idea in a very I'd say in a way to try to make a jest that he he suggests that Fiora might actually be homunculus. I mean, how crazy it is. And then suddenly out of the blue, the situation changes on him. I am not sure. I'm sure no one saw that. Even after rewatching it, that is something I never saw coming. Mm. So it does have those points and moments where they just drop bombs, whether it's empathy, whether it's sarcasm, whether it's it's humor. I think it's yeah. it's filled with all these things and that's why it is very is why I think personally FMA will never grow old because it mm-hmm. just keeps on playing into the relevance of things the time of it is set in 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 1900s 1800s in 19 early 1900s but still it's very relevant why because it's mm-hmm. capturing the most basic fundamental behavior of human beings And the best part i think also most people might appreciate is the fact that every single character actually seems to have a very unique presence a very unique existence within the entire show it's almost like mm-hmm. it's real life again mm-hmm. i'll go back to the fact that i had mentioned in no. our earlier episodes that i was thinking maybe she took or they took a lease from maybe something that's happened in real life at least in terms of the small things like empathy where to show a b c d here and there i think they might have done that another thing i think i would want to mention that was very interesting that oh, that comes up that keeps cropping up within the show itself is the subtle use of, the subtle use of of how do i say this mm. trying to not say something directly or using a metaphor to to mm. try and beat something out for instance there's this conversation uh, mustang has with ed when they're having a car drive and uh, it's about money and uh, he ho- he i think edward owed canon mustang money and somehow they start talking about how they're going to pay each- how he's how he's going to pay him back and of course there's a sense element of sarcasm and which comes into play but at the same time it quickly shifts into something so metaphorical where where mustang is asking is asking for his money back and of course counter argument was a very funny skittish way of you know getting the response to snap back at him because that's how he sometimes but then he goes on to say go on keep that money for now but you will pay me back when this nation becomes a democracy and you see now there's that element 
despite the fact that they're being skittish and childish or being, okay, not childish, sorry, being um, versatile, at the same time, they do not forget the one-pointedness of the theme of the story, which, which is a political setup. So, yes, I think all these things, all the they have put into play or put in place, it really does play into feeding story stuff. Like I said, it's very one-pointed, but it's very fine and wonderful way of um, playing around. I mean, play, being versatile at least with the content they have to work, they have to work with. But then again, I'm also wondering in my head, why are we just constantly giving only good, good feedback reports? Shouldn't there be some bit of criticism? Anyway, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying. What do you think? I think, I think if we like something, it's good to like something. There's a lot of criticism that usually goes on around. If you're looking for criticism, you will always find it. There are people who hate Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood. Currently, it stands on my anime list as the one. So definitely, it has a lot of people who hate it on principle. If you're going to look for like reasons to hate it, I can bet people will definitely come up with them. So... Personally, for me, when I watch shows, I never try to, I've never had this perspective of wanting to hate it unless the very first two or three episodes give me reason to. There's like some anime where I look at the first episodes and I'm like, this thing is not going in a direction I like. And from that point, I hate it and I finish it. I look for something positive so that I don't hate it anymore. So I can be like, you know, I didn't like it, but like it has fans, but normally I don't do that with stuff. So if you want to look at criticism, it's fine. It's just never my first, my first like uh, impression. No, fair enough, fair enough. I thought it's good in the session at least, so that also yeah. our audience get to hear at least. I did that deliberately. <laughs> but, um. Could we, could I suggest something right now? As for now, perhaps maybe we could probably wind up. I don't know if we have covered much of it or of everything, but I think we have given a little bit of um, discussion, discourse for people to follow on. Um, I know it may seem a bit rude, but is no, it okay if we probably work into now the conclusion? It's okay. We are at one hour. It's possible. Um, um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've really been able to see most of our sessions usually last around an hour or so. So we are we are on good time. Plus, oh, okay. So I was going to bring up the character of Xiaomei, the panda, as a good example of like characters who don't deserve, don't have a good reason to be important, but they are, but they are, and how the writing for Xiaomei was really really incredible so i don't know that's like uh throwing it to you by the way no it's true i'm glad that you brought it up actually there's also other characters like dan dan the dog that ah. is winry's dog yeah the one with the automobile leg so yeah. there's small characters here and there you're like oh they're not too important but i think then appear in like three or four scenes at most but mm-hmm. There are specific areas where you cannot just, you can't avoid. For instance, when it, okay, okay, maybe we'll get to that when we get to that point. I was about to jump right to the conclusion, but it's fine. Let me, but you're right. It's very interesting that some of the characters, they're very minor characters here and they are very salient. You think that the, the importance is just diminuted or diminished, but they really do play an important role in those small tidbits where they try to introduce something different. I don't know, but you're right. Yeah, that is so, something we can um, True. So I think we, there's obviously a lot more that we can talk about, but I feel like some of the themes that we would cover next would be covering the new arcs, like the northern stuff and the end game situation. Right. This is also, the last time the brothers will probably be to 
together for a while, if I remember correctly. From here, they Correct. sort of separate for a little bit, only to meet at the final, uh, at the final moments. So, um, since we have clocked in at one hour, we can say we've at least covered some things. So, what I think I should definitely ask this because I asked this last time. What are you looking forward to the next episode as we and we are now at the conclusion, really? Anything well, definitely. Well, I think, of course, I'm definitely waiting to see what happens when these folks have after the. I mean after the, the, sorry, Colonel Mustang's men disperse or are dispersed. I'm really curious to see how it unfolds, mostly in the North, let's be honest, because um, a, a lot of, uh, there's been Drakman army or the Drakman empire, which is a very, has been hinted threat to a mystery. So I'm definitely looking forward to what happens in the North. Seems like a lot will be happening and, yeah, in the West and the South, of course, in Central with Bradley and uh, the fact that now Riza Hawkeye is working as a personal assistant. I'm very what, what, what goes on in what, what goes on from there. Um, personally, for me, I still know. Did I cut you short? No, no, no. I was saying yourself. What about you? Oh yeah. So there's still like two. Uh, two homunculus that have not been introduced to the show yet. So that's the other ones I'm really looking forward to seeing since uh, they'll be introduced somewhat, if I remember correctly. And then um, the other thing I'm looking forward to is perhaps it gets really political towards the end before it starts with the last minute action and stuff. But I do want to see again the, the a specific character, specific sister to a specific character and how again, because it's, personally it's one of my favorite characters and she really gives up um, Izumi Katis kind of vibes. Is it oh. Izumi or um, I might be confusing one with the other. Yeah, it's Izumi. It's Izumi, I remember. So right. um, I'm looking forward to that, looking forward to like the last minute plans that they're going to be doing that will be involving some characters here and there. Some people will return and become more important, hopefully. So I'm really hoping to see all that, basically, again. So Mary right. wasn't able be with us on this session but um, hopefully I think she'll still be happy that we were able to do a session because she really wanted for us to be able to um, is there any like last minute remarks mm, from me now probably just to say I really hope next time we get Mary on board yeah, it will be so much fun. I mean, today was really great, I think. So, I don't know. That's pretty much it for me. Unless, unless you want some. No, no, no. I'm also okay. I think that's the mm-hmm. same for me. I really, Mary has some new things to to the table. And also just in general, her thoughts. Right. So, I think um, at this point, we should probably be winding and saying good This was fun, honestly. I'm sorry, I tried to be topical a bit. I wanted to see if we were going to accomplish much with, with hitting some topical tweets. Would it feel awkward? No, not at all. Actually, I think. Initially, yes, there was a bit of a scare. I was like, oh my God, how are we going to do this without Mike, without, without Michael, without Mary? Mm. But I think it, it, it carried on fine. Mm. But of course, three heads are better than two. Definitely. So, yeah, there's always that part of high input that we 
the episode, but it's okay. I know we all tend to capture different dimensions, different dynamics that we may have observed that one may have overlooked, but it's okay. We'll make it work next time. But otherwise, this session was fun. I don't know. I can't say it wasn't really good. I had I had fun doing this. Unless did you did you have fun? I think that's what I should be. Of course, I did. I just wanted to confirm that I was not the only one in this session. Oh hell no! <laughs> nice. So um, at this moment, I think I should just um, end the call. You okay with that? Yes. All right.